there. I'm Leanna Hinkle with the Hinkle Homestead. And I'm Lindsay Weiniger with the Weiniger Farms. And we are your hosts on We Chose the Farm. Hello, it's episode four. And guess what? It's our first interview. Are you ready to find out who we're interviewing? Tell me. It is Sarah from Sow the Soul. Her and her wife, Emily, have a market farm on Vancouver Island, uh, just off of Vancouver, British Columbia. They are barely a year in to their first ever CSA market crop. And uh, we're excited to find out what she's doing and how she's doing it. We are talking today with Sarah of Sow the Soul. Hello, Sarah. How's it going? Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm gonna. Thanks. I'm going to give you um, some time to introduce yourself, uh, introduce us to what you do, and um, yeah, we'll go from there. Hi, I'm Sarah, and my wife Emily and I own So the Soul Market Garden, and we are in our first season. We just started. Well, I guess we moved in in November and broke ground over winter and just started selling to the public in May. That's awesome. What did you guys do before all of this? Well, we had a small half acre house and yard at our old place and we gardened pretty much every inch that we could except for the septic field, uh, just growing for ourselves and experimenting and learning. And we had the opportunity to move to this farm, which is five acres this past winter with my parents and decided to go gung-ho because I'm a garden addict Yes, (laughs) and I can't help myself. Okay. What, where are you at in the continental U S so we are on Vancouver Island in BC, Canada. She is. Yes. You're not in the continental U S heck yes. I am not in the continent (laughs) of the U S I'm in Canada on Vancouver Island and we live in a little place called yellow point, which is in between the Nanaimo and Ladysmith for anybody that knows the Island. Awesome. And we live in a really lovely little place. We're about 15 minutes to town either way. Wow. My best friend lives in Vancouver. There you go. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, she cool. just got a new job. I couldn't tell you where she worked. I couldn't even tell you where she lives. But I know that she lives there because I talk to her every day on Marco Polo. So you guys before this had a small space. What made you kind of decide to get into this and go crazy with it? Like, for as far as the market garden or farming? Yes. Or... We want to know, I want to know about, like, your CSA because I don't know what a CSA program is. I want to know, like, what yeah. made you guys kind of start from just doing food for yourself to expanding to everybody else? And what all the creatures you have and just a little bit of everything. <laughs> Sorry. That was a lot. Okay. So, in our last place, we moved there. It was half an acre. And we moved there because we hated living in the suburbs. We didn't like having neighbors. We didn't like that you couldn't look out a window and not see somebody. Or we felt like we were on display. And we couldn't stand it. So when we looked for our property, we were there for two years. And we just wanted, like, quietness. We wanted to not really have neighbors. And we wanted property. But here the market is outrageous. And so all we could afford was this half an acre with... 110 year old house that needed completely gutted and redone so we we did that 
and we completely gutted and redid the house. And I thought, well, it might be cool to have some chickens. So we had scrap lumber and stuff from the renovations. So I thought, well, let's just make a chicken coop. And I got six chickens. And as you know, chicken math, it just went, it went crazy from there. I think I ended up having like 40 chickens there at, a t- at one time. And we just kept making more coops and more runs and like more of this and more of that. And it, I was just totally addicted to chickens. Let me just, this is happening in every episode. All the episodes so far, first yeah. off, chicken math has been absolutely true. And we also, her and I both agree that chickens are the gateway drug. It's how you get started. They're totally the gateway drug I am, to everything farming related. I am going to make this a t-shirt. I just, it's going to happen. I'm going to do it. So just FYI, you can keep going now, but I just needed to say that. That's awesome. Yeah, so we got these chickens because I thought I was being resourceful with our scrap lumber. I thought, well, you have to make a little chicken coop. And our our zoning for our property was such that we didn't have any rules about chickens. And when you live in town here, you can only have like five hens, no roosters. Some places don't let you have them at all. And so when I looked up the zoning and realized that I could have a rooster and that basically nobody cared and that there wasn't really a rule about chickens in the little area we lived in, I just went crazy. I went gun out with chickens and it was really fun and we loved having them. And at first my wife was a little bit like, I don't know about these chickens, but once we had them, she really loved them too. And we both really enjoyed them. And so it started with the chickens. We actually did have also dabbled in uh, meat rabbits and we went from having like, I don't know. And this was even before the chickens, I guess, but I, kind of forgot about it we I think we got six rabbits to start with mm-hmm. and that quickly grew into 30 rabbits and oh, wow. this was all during renovating our house but then we had the I'm not going to say this right but the rabbit hemorrhagic virus mm-hmm. I can't oh. I'm not saying it right at all but we had the rabbit virus hit us on the island and we lost all of our rabbits basically in a wow. weekend that yeah. virus so, is a thing that's taking over, I think, parts of California and also Arizona, kind of our southwest states. And it is, it's, yeah. I think it can affect wild rabbits and it can definitely affect your domestic rabbits and even inside rabbits because it's so easily transmittable through like just like car tires and like the bottoms of shoes and stuff yeah. like that. That's so crazy. It's really hard to stop the spread of it when it happens. And it was, it was just awful. I mean, we had a huge rabbit population here on the island and it just disappeared like overnight. It was crazy. And there's no signs with it. Sorry, what's that? There's no signs with it either, right? Like, so there's no oncoming symptoms. It's just kind of, they're done. Yeah. They're just gone. And it happened so quickly. And so we knew we had it on the island and we were being really careful. Like we weren't parking in our property at all. We were parking on the street and walking in, like changing our clothes, bleaching our shoes, doing all that. And it just wasn't even enough. It was just so rampant here. And so we lost all of our rabbits uh, pretty much within a weekend. It was horrible, absolutely horrible. And so it was a big learning lesson for us too, though, in farming. It really opened our eyes to that whole side of it that is unfortunate, but a part of it. And so at the time we still only had very small chickens. So the chickens really started to expand after we lost the rabbits. We got way more into chickens after that. And uh, we started 
gardening. I have gardened for years, like on and off. Everywhere I go, I always end up with some sort of garden. And so when we moved in here, there was already some raised beds. And right away, like before we were even living in the house, I started cleaning them up and getting them going. And it just, like every year it expanded to the point where I guess we were there for two or three growing seasons. And in the last growing season, I did, I kind of took over what was like an old driveway and turned it into a huge tomato garden. And I grew like over a hundred tomato plants that year. And everybody thought I was nuts. And maybe I was. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay to admit it. It's totally fine. Yeah, maybe I was, but I learned a lot. And I'm so thankful that I did that because that was last year. And so I learned so much about growing tomatoes and about the different varieties and what I liked and what I didn't like and how they grew and, and pruning and all that stuff that it really opened it up for me to be able to do it on a larger scale here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I literally turned the driveway into a tomato garden and everywhere that I could grow there, I did. And so, yeah, it just, I guess it started off for us. And then I started having people asking me, uh, well, can I buy stuff from you? Can I come over and can I buy produce? And we did have times where we had excess stuff and I would sell it to friends. And I did, I knew in my heart that this was something that I would like to do one day when I started learning about market gardening Mm -hmm. and what it could be like. And I started reading books and things like that. And so last year, the last season in the old place, I started experimenting with, um, like growing a a 30 inch wide bed and doing the spacing that they recommended in a market garden. So I grew like these large beds full of different lettuce mixes and stuff. And then I didn't know what to do with it all, but I knew that I was doing it to learn. So I ended up like making up these Ziploc bags of salad mix and like selling them to a couple friends on the side. And they were like, wow, this is amazing. And it was just so I don't know it was just so cool and so I really enjoyed being able to share that with people mm-hmm. so when people were like oh can I come over and get some produce I was excited for it and I'd be like really you want to yeah come on over like come load up a bag or and anytime somebody would come over I'd be like trying to shove produce at them like here take this home it's like you know like if you haven't had a cucumber or a tomato from the garden it's like an unreal experience for people Sure. So anytime somebody come over, I'd be like pushing my stuff on them. <laughs> Peer <laughs> pressure with I vegetables. Really yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked it. So when I was doing that experimenting in the garden last year at the old place, and I was just reading tons and learning about market gardening, I was like, I really want to do this. But I had no idea that we were going to move this year. So when I did all that experimenting at the old place, there was – I thought it was like going to be a five year thing, like, or longer because we knew we couldn't afford property bigger than what we were in. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking like, I'm going to start asking my neighbors if I can garden their lawns. Like Uh, I was thinking about it. Yeah. Like there was a field behind our house that was the property of the people behind us. And I was thinking I could put a market garden there if they'd let me (laughs) (laughs) like, so I was daydreaming and stuff. And then just kind of like out of nowhere, my parents, they offered this this deal for us to be able to go in together on this property. And we didn't know it was going to be this property, but they said, like, let's look. Let's. My parents put their place on the market and said, if it sells, 
we'll see what's available. And we kind of, we didn't really think it was going to happen. Even when they were talking about it, we mm-hmm. didn't think it would actually go through. And then when it did, it was kind of just a whirlwind. So they got, they moved into the farm, this farm last August. So it's been almost exactly a year since we got this place. And after they got this place, uh, Emily and I had to sell our place and all that rigmarole. So we ended up finishing up that garden season there and then coming here. And so over the winter, I made up this grand scheme of starting the market garden here. Awesome. Wow. That's so crazy. So what are all the things that you do and you have available for your market garden? So we do a small CSA, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. And what it is, is in the beginning of the season, in early spring, people can sign up for this weekly produce delivery. And it's everybody does it a little bit different. Some people do like a spring and a summer. And so what we're doing is it's just one season. It's 20 weeks long. And so what happened was in the beginning when people were signing up, they would prepay for the 20 weeks of produce and either have it delivered or have it picked up at the farm. And so we opened that up to 15 people for our first year. And in the beginning, it was a little bit quiet. We had a couple of people sign up and we thought, you know, we didn't know 15 was going to be the number. We just thought we'll put it out there. And if, you know, half a dozen people sign up, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And a couple people signed up, but then this whole COVID thing happened and I was getting messages like crazy. So I had to actually say, okay, Emily, like how many are we going to do? How many are we comfortable with? And I had to cut it off because I went from like a few people to 15 people like overnight. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, yeah, it was kind of crazy and it was a little nerve wracking with it being our first season. And, uh, but yeah, so we do weekly, weekly deliveries. We do a $25 produce bag. So everybody gets $25 worth of produce. And then what we do is we, we call it like a bonus item. So we add up the produce to $25 and then everybody gets an additional bonus item. And that could range from two to $4. So they're, they're technically getting between 25 and $30 of produce each week for $25. That's awesome. That's so cool. What is your favorite thing to to grow for that? For the CSA? Yes. Or just in general? My, oh. my favorite thing to grow is tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, definitely the cherry tomatoes. Everybody loves them. I mean, they're so good. Yeah. And I think it's really been a favorite of the things that have come in the CSA. That's awesome. Yeah, they're really good. We chatted. I love growing tomatoes. We we chatted for a while ago about I had questions about my tomatoes and you told me that the tomato baskets I got were very small and they would not support tomatoes and they were like normal three foot tomato baskets and she says I think tomato your tomato plants will get six feet tall and I have never heard of a tomato plant getting six feet tall and then you told me Lindsay your tomato plant got over six feet tall I trellis I trellis my tomatoes and so she was like I had no idea so yeah (laughs) it's mind-blowing because the store sells a tomato cage as a tomato cage right so you're like okay I got my tomato plant I'll pick up my cage I'll throw it in the garden and then you're like, uh oh, this isn't like there's no way. There's like maybe a handful of varieties 
that are indeterminate variety or determinate varieties, sorry, that will grow to a certain point. But even them, like they still aren't really going to fit on a tomato cage. Yeah. I put mine on bigger than that. I put mine on my peppers. (laughs) That's what. Yes, they're perfect for peppers. Exactly. This is these are the things that I need to know more about. I hope maybe in the future (laughs) you'll consider like doing a whole um, plant tips because I just don't know what I'm doing at all. As much as I really want to have all the tomato plants, I remember one year we planted forty tomato plants and. I could not keep on top of it, and most of them fell off before I could do anything yeah. about it. Yeah. But I was like, never again will I do this many. But we oh, did. you got to. <laughs> <laughs> 40 tomato plants is nothing. You, you, you can do it. <laughs> when oh, you really get into it and you start, like, canning and you want to maybe grow, like, a year's worth of food, mm-hmm. you'll quickly learn that, a, like, a couple tomato plants is fun, but you know, 50 plus tomato plants is where you want to be if you're going to do anything substantial with them. I know that's, this is what I need to know going into this. Maybe like a, this is, oh, so you want your own spaghetti sauce. You need 75 tomato plants. Pretty much. And there's like charts and stuff. You can Google it, but until you start doing it and start learning and experiencing it for yourself, you really don't know. Absolutely. And it's hard to say, like I have, this year I have 240 tomato plants and I still don't feel like it's enough. I could have more. 240. Um, Sarah, tell me about the greenhouse that you guys built. <laughs> so we, we decided to build this greenhouse. So because we live on the island, it's a little bit harder to get certain things sent to you. And if you do get it sent to you, it's way more expensive. So if you're on the mainland, like in Vancouver or anywhere else in BC, you have a lot more access to like greenhouse supply stores and things like that. Like you could, you might have to drive a couple hours, but you could still go maybe and pick it up. So when we were looking into how much it would be for a greenhouse, it was going to be a little bit outrageous. And I mean, we didn't start with any, any real money. So we decided that we were going to make it ourselves. So all winter we collected trampoline frames because I saw on Pinterest or something that you could make them make a greenhouse or a trampoline frame. So I thought, well, if people are doing it for like a small little backyard greenhouse, why can't I do it for a 70 foot greenhouse? Okay. So I think, I don't know how many we collected. It must've been between 15 and 20 trampoline frames. We became known as like the crazy trampoline ladies that would just pick up trampolines from people <laughs> and we would go disassemble them in people's yards, like in the middle of winter. And it was like muddy and gross. And we'd throw them in our SUV. So our SUV got, like covered in spiders and it was gross Mm. for a couple of months because we would just be out doing errands and somebody would post a free trampoline and we'd be like let's go get it (laughs) and we'd like drop what we were doing and go get the free trampoline (laughs) but it's genius that's That's absolutely genius yeah so we gathered them up and uh my wife really is the mastermind of all of it but i i'm the visionary like i'll dream up these ideas and then i'm like hey, you should make this, and she figures out how to do it, and she's really good at that. She's very handy. So she made these, like, the hoops and attached them all with metal screws and all of that business, and then we made stakes in the ground, and I tried, I kind of just looked at what other people had for greenhouses and just tried to copy it, and so 
we have a 70 foot by 14 foot wide greenhouse and it has roll up sides so you can roll the sides up and down for ventilation yeah and it has a door on the front and the back so you can open up leave the doors open for ventilation and go in and out and that sort of thing genius and what did you grow in your greenhouse this season then so I have about 35 cucumber plants and 240 tomato plants in the greenhouse. I mean, I did I, I did dabble with some like cold hardy crops in the beginning of the season, but I didn't get the greenhouse ready in time to really get anything substantial. I sh- I would have had to have had it done earlier. But I mean like our like our first few things that went in our CSA came from the greenhouse, like just from a little section that I planted. And then after that the tomatoes and the cucumbers do you have do you just only do vegetables or do you do like um fruits I, I was reading one thing on Pinterest that said something like um if you want to make money selling stuff off of your farm to do like fruit stuff because they always come back every single year so like fruit trees Fruit's and really like good. yeah but I just didn't know because I you, did you see a lot of places that only do like strictly vegetables I I would like to do fruit and I'm going to I'm going to be selling fruit in the future but I did strawberries this year thinking that I would have enough but the, in the beginning of the season the deer got into our mm. fencing and they ate all the strawberries like all the plants uh so I didn't have strawberries this year but they did grow back after the deer ate them and now they're like big and beautiful but they don't have any flowers Right. So for next year, I should have enough to hopefully be able to do some strawberries like in my CSA or for sale. Yeah. I'd love to do more. And I did plant some blueberries, but in the future, I would probably plant more blueberries. Do you but plant I blueberries? think fruit's really important. I inherited an apple tree. That's that's the extent of my fruit. <laughs> yeah. We had a, it's really good because people will always buy it. Yeah, so absolutely. I think it's kind of like a premium thing. Or people will say, oh, I want to go out and buy some strawberries or something. And then they'll come and they'll be like, oh, I guess I'll get some salad or something with it. <laughs> people are always yeah. in the market for fruit, but they're not maybe thinking about the produce. Well, my other issue, too, is we're considering building. And I'm like, I don't want to plant a whole bunch of stuff. Fruit that stays. Like, yeah. Well, and like a lot of those, are, I don't. I mean, I would guess that that's similar to you, but they're not going to bloom for, what, a year or two? Like, I'm not going to get anything off of them for a couple of years. I'm like, yeah, no, not doing that. Yeah. So, I will, yeah. because my it's children hard. eat their body weight in blueberries. We do, too. We actually, that was yeah. that was my mom hack of this season, was we planted four cherry tomatoes in five-gallon buckets, and we kept those on our patio, and we put yeah. the rest of the big tomatoes out in the garden. So every time they said, I want to eat a, tom- a tomato, it was just a nice little sure. pick right off of the garden, yeah. or, you know, right off the plant before you're about ready to go inside. <laughs> Tell me about um, your flowers. So before COVID, I'll call it, <laughs> before COVID, I had this grand idea that I was also going to do cut flowers. And I love growing flowers. And I like growing things in I don't really love the look of just a commercial garden so I knew from the beginning that I was going to incorporate flowers in the way that I grew and so I in my beds I don't just have like well I do have rows and rows of things but I also intermingled like herbs and flowers in my in my market garden beds 
and I wanted to do beds of flowers in amongst the vegetables to do cut flowers. And, but then when COVID happened, I kind of panicked and, and thought, I can't do that. I have to plant all vegetables because I have to grow more food. So I ended up doing that. I ended up mixing the idea of the cut flowers in our beds just because we do have a small space. And what ended up happening is we put our deer fence up around the plot that we had designed. And there ended up being a couple of weird extra spaces. So in one space between one fence that's like where the deer fence is and then where the garden starts, so it's like this weird triangle area. So we made it into a flower bed. And so we have this weird triangle flower bed, but it's really incredible how many flowers are coming out of there. That's awesome. And then we also did a long bed going the opposite direction of all of my beds, sort of at the end of our garden plot. And I made it like a four foot wide garden bed, which is typical for cut flower production. And I just did it at the end of the other beds. I just squeezed it in because I thought, well, there's enough room here. If I make the walkway a little tighter up to the fence, I can fit this bed in. And I planted it with flowers. And it sort of acts as a hedgerow as well, which I think is really cool. And I'd like to be more of that in the future. But I'm getting so many flowers from those couple of spaces that I squeezed in that I didn't really even need more in my first year. So I'm really glad I did it that way because I utilized extra space. It would have just been empty. It is so neat how I'm like, you just, you go and you do and you learn and you go and you do and you learn. Yes, I understand you do a ton of research. Don't get me wrong. I can hear it when you speak that you do research, but you really learn the most by what you do. By doing. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm learning so much this year. So much. Now that you know what's happening this season, what does the future seasons look like? What does, uh, like, the next thing look like? It's kind of hard to say. I want to say that it's likely going to be similar next year, except I would like to scale up more. Sure. And that's just because I'm, I'm nuts. And I see open space, and I'm like, that should be a garden. Like, who am I kidding? So it's it's just balancing what I'm dreaming about and what I actually have time for. Because I do work full-time already from home. And my wife wasn't working because of COVID, but she does also have her own business and work. So I would like to expand. I would like to have a little bit bigger of a CSA next year. And I'm really hoping – I'm also doing a roadside stand on the weekends – And I'm really hoping that that's going to take off because that works really well for us and for our other work that we do. So I'm really hoping that that'll take off and that I can expand a little bit more, but still sell just at my roadside stand and through my CSA. That's cool. So I think that's what's going to (laughs) happen. What are some things that you planted this year that you loved and will be your number one, like go to all the time? And what's something that, you did and didn't really enjoy that much or what's something that you'd like to add to your next year list? Um, there's a couple of things that I probably won't, that I, I say I probably won't grow, grow again. I'll probably try it, but I didn't love it. So I probably won't grow Swiss chard again for commercial, like for 
because I found that it takes a very specific person to want to buy the Swiss shard yeah. and that the people in our CSA aren't loving it. So I kind of feel guilty if I give it to them. <laughs> and then sometimes it's so funny. I'll put it out on the roadside stand and one weekend I'll have, I'll sell nothing. And the next weekend I'll sell out. Yeah. So I don't know how much to harvest to bring out to the stand because half the time I don't sell any of it. I also don't really enjoy it. I prefer to eat my produce fresh and I don't really like like cooking it on the stove, which I think is maybe the best way to eat it. Mm-hmm. So I can't say, I mean, I haven't really eaten very much of it other than, you know, I'll cut it up and add it in our salads just like in, I'm hiding it in there, but I could totally do without. So I would probably not grow that. I had a hard time with spring onions. Uh, it just seems like they took forever. And I don't, I think that's probably something to do with our weather. So I will probably try it again, but I don't know that I'll include it in my like succession plants and plantings and I don't think I'll really plan for it. I think I'll just try it on the side and sort of see how it goes. Sure. And then I definitely want to plant more cherry tomatoes because they're so good (laughs) and I love them. (laughs) And I don't know. I think I'll just grow everything, but a little bit more. And I would like to do more cut flowers. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Do you have any other animals now besides your chickens? We, we have two pigs, or we had two pigs. We raised two pigs in the spring, and we are getting another two pigs in September to raise through the winter, and I think that we'll probably always have pigs because we really loved having them. They're also they very are, uh, good in the circle of, uh, like, keeping the compost and you know, getting rid oh, of yeah. the extra veggies. <laughs> They're good to have around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to have uh, a, a source of dairy, yeah. I would love to have probably some goats. We don't have enough room for a cow, although that would be dreamy. <laughs> I'd love to have a dairy cow, but I'll probably end up with goats or something. And so just having the pigs when they're here and not necessarily all year round might be more helpful. And to only we're only getting like two at a time right now. So, right. so um, if someone is on the fence, first off, about um, turning their, like, for the house garden into something a little bit bigger or um, what would be some helpful hints? What would be some encouragement? Uh, what, what advice do you have for people ready to go from one step of gardening to full on market gardening? I don't really know that I have too much advice for somebody because I'm still figuring it out myself. Sure. I would say if you're passionate about it and you think that you can do it, I say just do it. Just try because you're not going to know if it's going to work out unless you give it a try. And just grow things that you like growing. And I don't know, it's it's kind of hard to say because if you're going to if you're going to make the jump, it's going to cost a lot of money. So maybe maybe my advice is to have a plan and know ahead of time that you're not going to make any money for probably couple of years sure the best advice someone ever gave me was that to do things scared and I think that that's kind of what you're saying and I dig it yeah I think if if something freaks you out it might be worth doing exactly if it doesn't yeah like I'm trying to remember the uh 
I have a vision board and it has some sayings like that. Like pretty much if you, if you think that it's something that you like and that you would enjoy, but I think you should just do it. But I think that it's also good to experiment. So maybe if you are like in your backyard and you have a home garden and you have a front yard that you could garden, maybe the first step you should do is like garden what you have as much as you can. Or maybe you can ask a neighbor if you can garden their backyard. Like I would say like read some books and really just try it out. Like maybe try it without spending too much money. Like maybe don't like go buy a property or something like that <laughs> if you're not 100% sure smart but give it a whirl on like rent or lease a property and try it out for a year or two and see if it's for you because it is a lot of work and it's a lot of money it's not a money maker especially in the beginning because everything just costs so much to get set up sure but if it's something that you really like then just like try it in as many different ways as you can and just see mm-hmm Wow. And what's your what's your advice for all of the weeds in the garden? That's my biggest problem is I have weeds growing sometimes taller than my plants. My advice is to poke away at it a little bit at a time. Don't let it overwhelm you because sometimes a wild garden is good. And a wild garden is still better than no garden. So if you don't have time to pull the weeds, it's like no deal. You're still going to you're still going to grow food. I think that my advice for somebody that has a lot of weeds is to learn about no, no till gardening and no dig gardening. I think that by going into a no dig system, you're really going to eliminate a lot of those weeds from the beginning. Hmm. So it's definitely something to look into and something, somebody that you can look into for a resource about no dig gardening is Charles Dowding. He has YouTube videos and he has really good books. Like he has some simple startup how to books and all sorts of different kinds. But, and there's quite a few people on YouTube that teach about no dig gardening. Um, There's tons of information out there, but it's, it can be very easy and it will definitely help you eliminate your weeds to the point where you might not have weeds in a couple of years at all to even what? think about. I've never experienced anything yeah. like that. <laughs> that would be so great. Mind-blowing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, did, I did no dig in my previous garden, and we had hardly any weeds at all. Like, hardly any. And that was doing raised beds, but some of my raised beds were only five inches raised. So okay. we're not talking, like, two feet tall. Right. Um, and then I am doing no dig in my beds now. I did uh, use a tiller to break the ground in the beginning, but only because I was short on time. I really wish I didn't do it, but I also wouldn't be where I am now without it. And I didn't have the money to, to do the compost for the size of garden that we're doing. And if I had, I would have. Um, but ever since it was originally broken ground, we have not tilled since. We don't dig. We just keep adding compost on top, and it's going really well. And the weeds have subsided just in this season. Wow. I've seen them go down a lot. That's what I want to do. No weeds. Right? <laughs> nobody I has mean, time to pull all those weeds. No, nobody has time for that. <laughs> nobody wants to spend time weeding when there's way more fun things we can be doing. And I'm kind of 
I want to say I'm lazy in that sense, but I want to find ways to make things easier so that it's more enjoyable because I, it has to stay enjoyable. Otherwise who wants to do it? Do you use chemicals for your weeds and your bugs? I use no chemicals, not even organic ones. Do you have problems with bugs? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's what the chickens are for. Well, that's why I, it's, it's hard to grow organically, but it's very important for what I want to do. Like, it's, it's how I want to eat my food and how I want other people to eat it. So we, we put birdhouses up because apparently the birds will come and they'll eat the bugs. Oh. Um, we have lots of garden snakes, which totally scare me, but I don't relocate them because I know that they will eat bad bugs. And I'm trying to invite a toad to move in, but he hasn't moved in yet. But I made a little toad habitat and, like, a little um, pond thing. Like, like literally, like, a little ditch of water because they can only go in, like, a little bit. Yeah. So I keep refreshing the little dish of water in hopes that a toad will move in because apparently they'll eat, like, a ton of bugs. And we do have – I've noticed we've got, like, little tree frogs and stuff moving in, and there are lots of little birds. So I think that when you make this like ecosystem and when you make it happy and healthy for everybody, that it'll all work together in unison Mm -hmm. and that eventually, and I did also, I did purchase beneficial bugs for the garden. I spent like $500 on bugs on the internet and I think that it helped. I've seen bugs like, um, like fly predators. These are not the same types of bugs. I purchased flying bugs in a container and like, I don't even know the names of them. It was like crazy long names. I purchased like five different things. I just emailed the lady and was like, this is what I'm doing. And she's like, here's all the bugs you'll need. It's $500. (laughs) And so I put some in my greenhouse and I like sprinkled them in the, in the soil. Like there's some, it's like a, they're, they're like a microbe, like little soil microbes that actually eat the bugs that are in the soil that are eating your plants. So in the beginning of like in my first few uh, successions of like radishes and like root crops, we were getting like these little cabbagey maggot things, like these little white maggots that were eating all the root crops. And so I specifically got some like soil micro business that was for that thing and you just like sprinkle it in on the soil and I don't know if it was that or if it was the change in weather or a combination but we stopped getting the cabbage maggot that's that's crazy so I'm I'm like in awe it was so cool we were really uh really upset when the first few crops weren't working out (laughs) we took all these people's money and now it's getting eaten by bugs but it kind of worked itself out yeah oh that's so cool that's it kind of worked itself out and we've been very lucky but i think also because i'm not disturbing the soil so like anytime i pull out a, a crop i'm just coming and putting new compost on top and planting into that like i'm not disturbing anything and we've got the birds and the things happening and the bugs and it's all been good since then. Do you I'm hoping if I just continue that? Fantastic. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> I feel like 
uh, I feel like we should have probably recorded this uh, video as well because, like, Leanna and my face, and you're talking, and both of us are like, what? Mind are you blown. Me? <laughs> I'm sure you look like idiots, but yeah, that's true. It's all good. <laughs> oh well. Well, Sarah, where can we find your farm? I guess on social media. I shouldn't um, include social media. Yeah, we have a Facebook page, so the Soul Market Garden, and we're also on Instagram. Well, and we'll we'll include all the links and stuff in our show notes. But I am so grateful uh, that we got to talk to you tonight. I really am. This is awesome. This has been well, really thank great. You. It was fun. Thank you so much. If you like what you heard today, you can find us at We Chose the Farm on Facebook and Instagram. And to find Hinkle Homestead directly, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Google at Hinkle Homestead. I want to visit the Weiniger Farms? You can find us mainly on Instagram at the Weiniger Farms. Or jump over to our website at WeinigerFarms.com. See you later.